This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad to be with you today. Uh, Welcome to church, and especially welcome if you're here for the first time. I know a number of us are visiting because we have friends or loved ones who are getting baptized today, and I'm just so glad you guys are here. So thanks for joining us. Uh, Whether it's your first time or your hundredth time, we're just going to have a wonderful, wonderful time today. If we haven't haven't had had a chance to meet yet, uh, I'd love to get to know you, hear your story, what brought you here, how service went, which I know is always a loaded question because when the pastor asks you, how'd you like service, you're stuck. If you didn't like it, you're thinking, I'm in church, can I lie? And if you did like it, it kind of feels like you have to say it anyway. So I'm going to ask you, hey, how was service? I hope you say I loved it. But if you didn't love it, tell me, because I'd love to hear more about it, because we actually built this place for you, for a place for you to come and engage with God and and break down barriers so that you can really connect with Him. And uh, a few things will help you on that journey. One is inside that program, we've got that card that says Start Here. Go ahead and grab that card and fill it out for us if you would. Just put your name on it. It's a communication card. It helps you stay connected to our pastoral team, helps us stay connected to you. Put your email address on it, maybe if you're new. And then grab your teaching notes because they'll tell you where we're going today with the message. Uh, And if you are a guest with us, I always always forget to say this to you, and I don't want to forget today. If you're a guest with us, before you leave, would you head out to Guest Central? We just want to touch base with you, say hi. We have a gift for you out there that we'd love to give to you, so I want you to enjoy that as well. Well, it is Baptism Sunday, and that is so exciting. We have friends who are getting baptized today, and if you've never been to a church uh, and experienced baptism, let me give you a sneak peek to what this is. Uh, Baptism is basically this, it's this picture of this life that we're living with God, where we've died to our old way of thinking and living, where we were the boss of our own life, and now we, uh, we're alive again, but God is the leader of our life. He's the one in charge who's, who's taking us where he wants us to go, and it's a really, really good life, and that's what we're doing in the series is talking about experiencing the good life, and here's how we picture that in the church. We have these, well, they're horse troughs is actually what they are, but we call them baptistries in new life. We've got these these baptistries full of warm water. And what we're going to do is have our friends come up at the end of our service, and then we're going to take them under the water, which represents dying to their old life. And we're going to raise them back out of the water, which represents being raised to new life. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is actually an invitation for every Jesus follower to come and experience new life with him. And if you've never been baptized, I'm going to give you a chance, whether you're planning on it or not, I'm going to give you a chance to get in this water and get baptized today. So just be thinking about that as we're talking, because today could be the day for you. You thought you were just coming to be a spectator, but church is not a spectator sport. It's a full contact sport, and you might be the one getting in the water today. So get ready for that. Well, we're in this brand new series. Well, actually, geez, we're like 10 weeks into this brand new series uh, called The Good Life, and it's been so fun. In, in this series, in case you missed it, um, we're contrasting two worlds. The first is the world that we see and experience with our five senses. And the second is an unseen world that Jesus calls the kingdom of heaven. And in this series, Jesus is saying that, that if you're a follower of him, you live in two worlds. You have dual citizenship in the world you experience with your five senses and also in this unseen kingdom of heaven. And in this unseen world, this kingdom of heaven, um, there are some distinctives. One is In the kingdom of heaven, you're God's child. You're his daughter or his son, which is a huge thing because you have all the rights and privileges of a child of God. And that means that no matter what else comes into your life, the unexpected ups and downs of life, 
one thing remains, that you're always God's child, that his love for you, his belief in you never wavers. Even, someone told me to do this again today, so we're three weeks in a row. Even when life goes up and down, I keep telling him to stop, and he won't listen to me. But even in the ups and downs of life, one thing stays steady, and it's your identity as God's child. That's a distinctive. The second distinctive of living in this kingdom is that, that God is the king, and that in the kingdom, nothing will ultimately be able to shake God's plan and God's power. So the wind and the rain and the waves can blow, but it won't knock your house down. That's what Jesus says, the house of your life. When, when tragedy strikes, you don't have to be taken out and washed down river with the tragedy because we know that God will make it right either in this world or ultimately in eternity. And based on those two key distinctives, Jesus says, I want to, I want to talk to you. And he talks to us in this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And we would think if you were raised in the church, maybe, and you had a bad church experience, you would think that Jesus was going to say, I want to give you a bunch of rules about what it looks like to live in the kingdom. But that's not ultimately what he says. What Jesus says is, I want to actually challenge some long-held assumptions about what it looks like to live and really experience life. Because he says, I want you to have freedom. And in order to have freedom, freedom is not found in a list of rules. Freedom is found when you understand the way life works and what actually brings true life. Is anybody else like me? Are you experiencing allergies right now, this week? Raise your hand. I just need to know somebody's with me because I've been dying this week. And I said to one of my friends, I said, man, I've been dying this week. He's like, we're all dying. I said, I realize that. But I mean like I am dying this week of my allergies. And the life Jesus wants us to experience is kind of like an allergy-free life. Because if you've ever experienced allergies, you know that you're alive, right? But you're kind of a walking zombie. You're not fully alive. Like, you can see alive. I looked outside. I could not leave my house yesterday. I was trapped. I went to, the, to American Graffiti, and it just wrecked me with my allergies. So I went home and showered for like the hundredth time. I'm the cleanest I've ever been. And then I watched my kids outside playing all afternoon. But I couldn't go out there. The minute I opened the door, the sneezing, the dripping, the whole thing started happening. So I'm alive, but I'm not ultimately free. And Jesus says, we're all alive. I mean, pinch, pinch your, your spouse if you don't like them right now. Just pinch them. You'll, you'll, they're alive. It hurts. But they're not free. That's, that's what he's saying. Freedom comes from understanding the way that this invisible kingdom works, some of the underlying assumptions to it. Because Jesus says rules will only get us so far when we understand kind of the bigger principles, assumptions about life that will affect the way that we live, the actions we choose to make. And so Jesus goes about dismantling our assumptions about the world we can see with our five senses. And he starts to change them with some kingdom, what we call narratives or stories or assumptions about the way that life actually works in his kingdom. And he's hit on some major things throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And today he's going to talk about a topic that I would say robs us of more of our, our thought time, more of our emotional energy, probably robs us of more of our sleep than any other topic that Jesus talks about. And the topic is fear. And you were thinking, I was afraid you were going to say that. I'm Jesus says, did you know that your fear, fear, actually robs you of a full life, of life of freedom, of life of joy? And listen, there's all kinds of things to worry about in this life. I said last week that 
uh, advertisers spend billions of dollars to convince us that we don't have enough, that we'll be happy if we have enough. Did you know that advertisers also spend billions of dollars to try to convince us that we should be afraid? I mean, think about it. Uh, the last news feed you probably heard went something like this. Zika could be killing you right now and you don't even know it. News at 10. You're like, is it killing me? Am I going to make it to 10? What is Zika, right? Where do I kill the mosquitoes? Or things like this. Could your child be stalked by a predator in your neighborhood? News at 11. You're like, get in here, Johnny. There's plenty to be afraid of. Will I ever find love? If I find it, will I keep it? If I don't keep it, will I find it again? Some of you just graduated from Sonoma State. By the way, congratulations, Sonoma State graduates. That's awesome. But here's the question you got asked yesterday at least 15 times. What are you going to do next? And if we're not careful, we're terrified because we think I've got my education, I've got the diploma, but am I smart enough? Am I talented enough? And am I equipped enough to actually face the world? Your parents are saying, woohoo, baby, no more pain for you. And you're saying, I'm terrified. Can you wean me off slowly? There's plenty to be scared of. So the question we're going to ask this morning is actually twofold. One, what is worry? What is it gaining us? Because there must be some sort of payoff in our minds. Because worry is with us a lot. What is it gaining us? And the second question is this. What is it costing us? I would make this, I'm going to say this assumption that I think is, is probably true. I would say that you and I live in the most fear-based culture in the history of the world. And here's why I would say that. I was doing some research and I found that between 1990 and 1998, the national murder rate declined by 20%. But in that same eight-year period, the number of murder stories on network news went up by 600%. Think about that. The murder rate declined by 20, but the number of stories went up by 600%. And with that comes this fear all the time about absolutely everything. So to start off our journey together today, I want to talk about the difference between caution and worry. Because Jesus says we don't have to worry. We can actually be happy in life. So here's what caution is. I define caution like this. Caution is the wise choices that lead us to reasonable safety. And caution is actually good. We should be cautious. Put on your seatbelt. Look both ways before you cross the street. Don't get in the car with a stranger. Don't text and drive. But worry is what we do after we've exercised caution. So I would say it this way. Worry is the disproportionate level of concern based on an inappropriate level of fear. Worry is different than caution. Caution says to your daughter when she went to prom last night, hey, be wise. Make good choices. Don't get in the car with someone when they're drinking. Worry is that thing that kept you up till 2 a.m., unable to process or function life or think about anything other than your daughter getting home from prom. You see the difference? Worry is what we do once caution has been exercised that we can't actually do anything about. Worry is that thing that happens with expecting parents. When she's taking her prenatal vitamins, when we're doing our regular testing, everything's going well, 
and we're sure something is going to happen, and we're constantly consumed with the thought that something's going to happen to our unborn child. This is where we go beyond caution and move into worry. And Jesus says caution is good, but worry actually robs us of life. Worry is that thing that has you up at 2 a.m. and running scenarios in your mind that you can't actually do anything about while you're laying in bed. That's what worry is. Worry is that thing that has your spouse or your roommate saying to you, you're here physically, but emotionally you're a thousand miles away. Where are you? The answer is I'm stuck worrying about something over there. So why do we worry? What's the payoff in it? Well, here's the narrative of the world, that whole five senses thing. The world tells us that worrying actually helps us. That's why we worry. Subconsciously, it goes something like this. Boy, if I worry enough, then I can prevent this bad thing from happening. So if I just think about it, dwell on it, focus on it, get anxious about it, then I can prevent it. And if that bad thing actually happens, here's what we tell ourselves. And it's all below the surface. Here's the narrative we tell ourselves. I should have worried more. If I would have worried more, I could have fixed it. And then when it doesn't happen we would think that that would make us worry less. So we'd say, well, thank goodness, that thing that I was worried about didn't come to pass because the truth is 99% of the things we worry about never come to pass anyway. But it actually goes the opposite way. When we worry about something and it doesn't happen, our subconscious moves into superstition mode and says, thank goodness I worried about that. Because when I worried about it, it made it not happen. And so we worry more and more and more because we think that worrying actually helps us. Worrying I would say it gives us the illusion of control. Worrying tells us if I, if I think about it enough, if I dwell on it enough, I can control the uncontrollable things of this world. I can control cancer, car accidents, layoffs, theft, attack. But Jesus says that story that worrying helps you, it's just plain wrong. And depending on your narrative of God, you probably think Jesus is going to come out and say, so don't worry, you idiot. But he doesn't actually say that. What Jesus says is, hey, listen, daughter, son, I love you. And I'm seeing this thing just rob you of life. It's just tearing life away from you. Minutes and hours and days you're spending dwelling on something that you can't actually change. He says, but I've got a better way for you. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 6. This is his better way. He says, therefore, I tell you, and this is Jesus talking, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Don't worry about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? Is not your body more than the clothes you wear? And then Jesus, he's outside on this mountain, and I, I just picture some birds flying by. He says, look, look at the birds in the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, but your heavenly Father, there it is, your heavenly Father, he feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than a bird? Verse 27, Jesus says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? Look at the flowers in the fields. They don't labor or spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon, who was a king in the Old Testament of the Bible, um, one of the wealthiest kings in ancient history, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
And if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you? O ye of little faith. And that last little phrase, you of little faith, it's not a put down. It's not a put down. It's an invitation. The invitation is, trust me. Jesus gets down to our base needs. He says, listen, you need food. You need water. You need clothing. At least the rest of us appreciate you having clothing. I was in Jamaica. Should I even tell this story, Maria? Probably not. (laughs) Yeah, tell it. Trying to get me in trouble. I was in Jamaica. And there was like the regular beach. And then there was the beach for people who had no need for clothes. Like over here, it was the oddest thing. You've ever been to one of these beaches? I haven't actually been there. I just want you to know. And we were separated by a distance, but in the distance you could just see, oh, there's like, none of them have clothes on. They've taken it back to the Garden of Eden. This is very interesting. So when I say you need clothes, I guess you don't. That's what they showed us, but we all appreciate you having them. That's all I mean to say. There's literally no point to that story, except that it was super awkward to be at a beach next to people who were clothless. Jesus goes down to the base. He says, listen, guys, listen, listen. You need food. Everyone else appreciates you having clothes. And then he says, look at a bird. Look at a flower. They're here today and gone tomorrow. It's a bird. It's a tiny little bird. It's a flower. And God, your heavenly father, he gives the birds food. And he gives the flowers a beautiful blanket of clothing. Aren't you more valuable than a bird? Aren't you more valuable than a flower? If God would take care of them, then God will take care of you. And if your heavenly Father is taking care of you, then you don't need to worry. It's not a, he's not condemning us. He's saying, have some faith. Trust your heavenly father. I put it this way. Jesus' narrative about about us is that you are infinitely valuable to your God. You're infinitely valuable. He sees you right now. He knows you right where you are. And if he'll provide for the birds and the flowers, he'll provide for you. When you and I worry, what we do is we focus on our limited ability to affect change. We look at our limited resources and say, how much do I have? How much can I protect? When our kids go out, and I don't even know what's going to happen when my kids, like, start to go out on dates and drive. It's like, whoa, I can barely handle second grade, (laughs) both intellectually and emotionally. But when our kids go out, do you know why we worry? We worry because we think that it gives us some level of control over what happens to our kids when they're out of our hands. And so we spend all night toiling and struggling. And God says, you don't need to worry. Because I'm your heavenly father. And I'm their heavenly father. And I will take care of them. And he invites us, instead of instead of looking at our limited resource to affect change, says, what if, 
you looked at my unlimited resource to provide for you. See, understanding God's unlimited resources allows you and I to be cautious. We should be cautious without crossing the line into worry. Some of you are thinking based on your experience and based on your high intellect. And I appreciate that because New Life, you're some of the most intellectually rigorous people I know. That's why you've come here. You're thinking right now, but what about when God doesn't provide? What about when God doesn't come through? What about when he doesn't do a miracle? I've had enough tragedy in my life to say, what about when he doesn't protect my child or my friend when we do get cancer? I want you to hold that question right here in the back of your mind. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Let's keep on with Jesus, though, because he's going he's to get to your question. Verse 31, Jesus says, so don't worry, saying, what should we eat or what should we drink? What should we wear? For the pagans, and when he uses that word pagan, he just means anyone of any other religion other than Judaism, because Jesus was a Jewish man. So anyone who believed in any God other than the God of the Old Testament of the Bible, they just referred to as a, a pagan, someone other than us. He says the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them. Here's what Jesus is saying. If there is no God, like the, the pagans either believed in various gods who were less than powerful, or many of them believed there, maybe there wasn't a God. And, and if you're here and you believe there is no God, then you should worry. Here's why. Because this life is the only thing you've got. And once this life is done, it's done. Game over. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200 you go into the ground, and that's it. If you believe there's no God, then there's plenty of reason to worry about your friends and your loved ones and your finances and everything else. Because listen, no one else is watching out for you. Only you are watching out for you. And you better hold on to your life as tightly as you can. The problem is, the tighter you hold on to your world, the tighter you hold on to your life, the smaller your life and your world is going to get. Because you weren't designed to hold on to life that tightly. And ultimately, you can't. You can't protect your grown children. You can't protect your grandchildren. You can't protect your heart from being broken. You can't protect your body from getting disease. You cannot do it. And the tighter you hold, the smaller your world gets until there's nothing left. And Jesus says, if there's no God, then you're on your own. You can try to hold on. But your world's going gonna, gonna to trap you in the end. So instead, trust me. Trust me. That I am holding this whole thing together. Because your worry that you think is protecting you is actually robbing you of hours and days and weeks. And Jesus doesn't want that for you. So he ends by giving us two options two paths to take. The first is this. He says, don't worry, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. That's the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And then all these things will be given to you. The clothes, the food, the things you actually need to survive. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
And here are the two options Jesus lays out for us at the end of this sermon. He says this. He says, one, you can remember that you live in the kingdom of heaven. That's one option. That God is always with you. That even when the world is spinning out of control, God can give you peace. That's why Paul, who who experienced his share of ups and downs, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, who was beaten multiple times, who was stoned and not 420 stoned, but the other kind of stoned with rocks, who was ultimately, ultimately killed. He, Paul, who had plenty of opportunity to worry, who planted churches all over the ancient world and then just kind of left them on their own. Those were his kids. He just left them there. Paul, who had plenty of reason to worry, he said this. He said, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, give your request to God. Because God's like a heavenly father who, who knows his children. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your heart and will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying the same thing Jesus says. You don't have to worry because God loves you, God sees you, and God is watching out for you. And that's a huge, a huge thing because the world that we live in has been infected and affected by brokenness. Something that the Bible calls sin. Sin are those, those thoughts, those words, those actions that we do that, that hurt other people, that hurt us. Some of your worst pain in life, your worst regret, the childhood trauma, that was when someone acted out sin against you, and it hurt you. And it's a good thing that God's in control because there is there's sin in this world, and sin leads to brokenness and pain and death. We hurt others because of our sin. Others hurt us because of their sin. Did you know that even the world, the world groans because of sin? We're told that earthquakes, natural disasters, tsunamis, those are, our, those are an effect of creation groaning because of sin. And so when natural disasters strike and people die and homes are destroyed, did you know that that's even a part of sin? And Jesus says, remember that even in the midst of this broken world, God is going to take care of you. And he's either going to do it here in this world by protecting you, or he's going to do it in heaven. And heaven is where the fulfillment of this kingdom comes to play. So when we seek the kingdom, we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry. We, we can choose to, but we don't have to. Because we know that God's going to make it right in this world. Or he'll make things right in heaven. Boy, I've had both of those experiences in and I want to share with you a quick story. Maria and I, some of you know this story. Maria and I, uh, we were surprised when we got pregnant for the first time. We weren't planning on it, but we were overjoyed by it. And we were, I don't know, maybe two and a half months, maybe 10, 11, 10 weeks into to our pregnancy with our first child. And um, without getting into too many details, started to be some, a lot of spotting, and the doctors told us, we're pretty sure you're having a miscarriage. And we were heartbroken, devastated. You, you know the roller coaster when you get pregnant. It's like, oh my gosh. And then to find out, oh, I think we're losing the baby. And I remember I was preaching at New Life. I wasn't on staff here, but they asked me to preach that Sunday that we found out this was happening. And I was preaching on fear and courage and trying to stand on stage having courage in the midst of fear. And we went home, and my parents were visiting, and we prayed and prayed for this baby. 
And God did a miracle, and our daughter Maddie was born. She's perfect. She's perfect. Not perfect in the life, never does anything wrong sense. That's, that was me as a child. She's, she's, sorry. Um, but boy, she came out just perfect. And then we were, said, we want to have more kids. This is fantastic. I, that's what I said. So we got pregnant again. And we're like, uh, same thing, about seven, eight weeks into our pregnancy. And the same thing, spotting and the doctors were pretty sure, and, and we went in, and we had prayed for this baby every day, and, and we lost her. We had a miscarriage, or him. We had, we had a miscarriage. And as a parent, you go home, and you think to yourself, what's the difference between this baby and this baby? Why did God protect this baby, and why did this baby die? That's an answer that I do not, that's a question I do not have an answer to. I just don't, I don't know. But when you come to me with that type of a story, I can empathize with it because we walked it. And here's the best answer that I can see from the Bible. God promises to make things right either in this world, which he did with Maddie, or in heaven. Heaven is the fulfillment of all things where Jesus says, I'm going to wipe every tear from your eye. I'm going to hold you in my hands. And, And I believe this. The Bible seems to back it up. That when we get to heaven... We'll see that little baby. I don't know if it'll be an adult or a child, a male or a female. I do not know. But one day we'll be reunited. And I believe that somehow we'll know. And in that day, he will have made all things right. So Jesus says, worrying won't actually fix anything. But I promise you, I'm with you. And I'll either fix it here or I'll fix it in eternity. So you don't have to worry because I'm going to make it right. That's one option. The other option Jesus gives us, he says, well, if you're going to worry, just do it one day at a time. Just do it one day at a time. He tells a little joke here, which I find amusing because I like to tell little jokes. Jesus says, listen, if you're going to worry, you can't ultimately fix it anyway. So worry if you want to. Worry if you want to. You can't change it. Only God can change it. You can't do a miracle. Last time I checked, only God can do a miracle. But worry if you want to. But if you're going to worry, just worry one day at a time. That's enough pressure for today. Don't add tomorrow's worry on top of it. You will literally crush yourself under all the worry. So he's giving you like an out. If you want to be a person who worries all the time, who's like distracted and feels the weight of it, he says at least just worry only about today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Monday has enough problems. Sunday's got enough for today. Those are his options. Now I want to ask you a question. Why not choose the kingdom option? What's it gaining you to choose that option? That's our question for today. What is it gaining us to worry? Don't all shout out at once. Jesus says it's not gaining us a darn thing. It's only robbing us of time. So why not choose the kingdom? Because when we choose the kingdom option, living with Jesus in the kingdom, he's going to do one of two things. When tragedy strikes, when pain strikes, When difficult things happen, he's either going to do a miracle and heal it now, or he's going to do a miracle and heal it in eternity. One of those two things will happen. Why not choose him? I want you to sit with that for a second. Why not choose him? Because I think there are probably some of us here today who haven't chosen Jesus, who haven't chosen to live in the kingdom. 
And maybe the reason you haven't is because life went bad. You got hurt. You got disillusioned. You got burned. And I want to say we live in a life that is, we live in a world that's scarred by sin. Just scarred by it. And in this world, you'll get hurt. You'll get burned. You may get disillusioned. But God promises to be your heavenly father, to walk with you through the pain and the hurt, to heal you in the places where you need it most. He promises that he'll do a miracle either in this world or in the world to come. So I want to invite you, if you've never considered Jesus, would you consider him today? Consider following him. Consider entering into a relationship with him. And I want you to consider that as we move into this next stage of our time together. We're going to celebrate two practices right now that remind us that God is working all the time and that he wants to work things out in our lives. We're going to go into two ancient practices that are at least 2,000 years old that remind us that we don't have to be afraid. And the first is communion. And on these tables all around the room, you're going to find little pieces of bread and little cups of juice. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, before he gave his life on the cross, he took a piece of bread and a cup of juice, and he said, this is my body. He took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body that I'm giving for you to pay the penalty for your sin. And then he took what he had was wine. We used juice. And he said, this is, this is my blood which is poured out for you. He said, and when you drink it, I want you to remember the new relationship that you and I have. What he was saying was, because I give my life for you, you can have new life with God. You can have your sin forgiven. You can begin the process of allowing God to heal the deepest hurts inside of you. You can have your eternity sealed, knowing that if God doesn't do a miracle here, he will do a miracle there. And if we know that our eternity is sealed, boy, doesn't that make worry a little less enticing? Because we know that no matter what happens here, we know it will be there. So we're going to celebrate communion in just a minute. I'm going to pray and invite you to stand up. And if you want to, to take communion around the tables. Grab the, the bread and the juice and take it back to your seat as we worship and you can celebrate communion. And the second thing we're going to practice is baptism. We're going to invite you to come up if you're ready to get baptized. Or maybe you're here and you weren't planning on getting baptized, but you want to get baptized. You're a Christ follower. You're a follower of Jesus. We're going to invite you to come up, get in this water. It is, it is warm water because we love you. And we're going to invite you to remember that when you said yes to Jesus, you died to your old life. And you're raised to these new assumptions, these new paradigms in the kingdom that lead to freedom. You're raised to new life with Christ. And here's what I would say to you. Just think about this. If you've died, then what do you have to be afraid of anymore? You've died. Like, what can they do to you? You've already died. And now you're alive again in this world. And so I want to invite you, when it comes time, we're going to have our pastoral team and volunteers on each side over here and over here. I'm going to invite you, as I invite everyone to stand, if you want to get baptized today, come on forward. Talk to one of our pastors. Talk to our, our volunteer teams. We've got towels for you. We've got shirts for you. We've got everything you need to get baptized today. We will be videotaping and taking pictures of your baptism so you can show your family, show your friends. But if you've never been baptized, today is your day to come forward and say yes to God and get baptized. And then I'm going to be sitting right here in the middle. I'd be happy to baptize you in either one of these baptistries. Or if you have a parent, a friend, a loved one, someone who's been instrumental in your journey towards following Jesus, have them baptize you. I would love to have them baptize you. I would be perfectly happy having you have your friends or loved ones baptize you. That is just a gift to be a part of. And one of our pastoral team would love to baptize you as well. And some of you are thinking... I want to get baptized, and you've told me this before, but I'm terrified of water. 
I'm just terrified of it. I'll tell you, it's like, uh, like two and a half feet deep, and, and we've never lost anybody in it. I mean, never. We have a perfect track record. And Heather, who's going to be singing worship up here, she's a nurse. So you're like so covered. And if God doesn't make it right here, he'll make it right in eternity. It's like a win, win, win. So come up and get baptized. All right. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to give you a chance to do that. But I asked a couple of you here, if you are not yet a follower of Jesus, but you want to follow him, you want to walk with him, I want to give you a chance to do that, to commit your life to God right now. And I'm going to do that by closing us with a, a little prayer and giving you a chance to respond to God, to say, I want to have a relationship with you. And boy, it changes everything. God hears and responds. He forgives you the minute you call out to him, and he walks with you in this life. And if you're ready to make that decision, as we go into this time of prayer, I'm going to invite you I'm going to invite you to go ahead and pray that prayer with me. So would you close your eyes? Let's pray together. Jesus, we love these, these stories you're telling us, these narratives about life, about how it works and how to find freedom. And we want to walk with you. We don't, we don't like living in worry. It's like living with allergies every day of our life. We can see the world around us, but boy, we feel trapped sometimes. And for some of us, it's not as easy as just saying, I'm just going to stop worrying. There's some major stuff that's happened in our lives that causes us to worry. So I pray for my friends here this morning who they've experienced certain things in their life that make us more prone to worry. Holy Spirit, in this moment, as we lead out in worship, Holy Spirit, would you begin to heal those areas of our lives? Would you help us to remember that you are a good and loving Heavenly Father? who is watching out for us, who loves us more than the birds, who loves us more than the lilies in the field, and who is making a way for us in this world. And God, would you help us to be people who are free from the trap of worry? And as we continue to pray, if you're ready to commit your life to God, to say yes to him, you can repeat this simple prayer. Just whisper it where you're sitting, or you can even say it in your mind, and God will hear and respond. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me, that you gave your life for me, and I want to have a relationship with you. So would you come into my life? God, would you forgive me of my sin and fill me with your spirit and show me what it looks like to walk with you every day from this day forward, even as I walk into eternity. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.